Let us pray together. Father, this morning as we gather in your name, we pray that you would help us to know and understand you even more. God, this morning as your word is open and proclaimed, God, we pray that we would take serious the things that are said. God, in your sovereignty and in who you are, you know everything that is going on in our lives, every, everything that we are battling with, every hurt that we have, God, every tear that we cry, you see. God, whether it's our first day here or we've been here many times, um, God, uh, I pray that you would help us to know and understand you uh, in a powerful way today, that your word would go out and uh, we would take serious the things that are said and we would apply the necessary changes by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we are walking in the likeness of your son, Jesus. So, the Lord, so Lord, I pray this morning that you would give us a good time of teaching, that you would help me, and that you would help our congregation so that we are lining up with the things that you want us to do. We love you so very much. In the name of Jesus, amen. John MacArthur said this quote, he said, we cannot accomplish the glorious works of Christ by continuing to live the way the world lives. Let me say it one more time. We cannot accomplish the glorious works of Christ by continuing to live the way the world lives. See, Christians, we are called to be like Christ. We are called to be on fire and filled with the Spirit, dependent on God, Bible in hand, memory in mind, ready ready and listening to the voice of God to move. But so many of us, we're blending. Are we blending? Are you blending? Are you blending into the culture, into the world? Afraid? Afraid to, to trust God with the hardest things of our life? Afraid to share your testimony? When was the last time you shared your testimony? About the power of what God can do? When was the last time you shared scripture? Or just came close to someone who is hurting. See, the, over the last two weeks, Pastor Rick has been teaching us to, to live the spirit-filled life. See, we are called to live these outstanding lives for God, not a mediocre life. And we are called to, to we are called more than, to be more than fearful and to be scared. We are called to be more than that. We are called to be light in our family, light in our community, light inside of our church. But sometimes, oh, sometimes hurt and heartache and mistrust and pain. See, that can steal our focus. It can hinder our faith. It can chip away at the trust that you have in the living God. And it can leave us unprepared and unready for what God may have in store for us. This day and each and every day. I'll tell you a story. I just got back from Africa not too long ago. I went on a missions trip. I brought me and a team of three leaders. We brought 12 people over. And I remember getting over there and I'm sitting with Graydon at the table. And he's going over the schedule with me. And we're excited. And he says, Pastor Nick, we are going to go on safari. You are going on safari. He says, not today, but tomorrow, you got to get ready. you got to be prepared. You're going on safari. You're going to see the, the amazingness of what God has out in the nature in Africa. I said, great, I'm excited. That day I got up, it's safari day. I'm praying, God, please let me see a lion. Please let me see a lion kill something. I actually prayed that. God answered that prayer. We were on, we were in the Range Rover, we're driving around, and we see this lion dragging off its meat, and it's all bloody. I'll show you pictures. Come to Mission Conference. It's going to be awesome. 
But sitting at the table, exchanging this, this schedule with Graydon, he says, Nick, when you get to the safari, you're going to stop midday and you're going to see this amazing thing that I really want you to be a part of. I say, okay, great, what is it? He says, you're going to see a natural spring, a natural spring that's heated, uh, heated up, I don't know, by a volcano or something under the ground, but the water is really hot. When you get there, make sure that you get in the water. I'm thinking, I don't want to get in the water. There are things in the water. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. We get to the pool, and he takes us to the very top. We come up this little mountain. We're going up with these jagged rocks. We get to the very top, and there's a puddle. It's a little tiny puddle. But the puddle, the puddle is bubbling hot. It is a very hot puddle. I'm thinking, I'm not getting in that one. I'm not even going to put my toe in that one. So he says, oh, let's go down. We go down to the middle level, and there's another area where it's very hot, very, very cool, but not big enough. Then we get to the bottom, and then our team's jumping into the water. There's this beautiful waterfall. It's great. The water is so hot. So we spend some time there. I look for Malachi and Jonah Cowie. They're both swimmers. I can't swim. They got in first and went to their waist. I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm not going to drown here. So I get in, I'm having a bunch of fun with the team, we're splashing around, talking about God, talking about Africa, looking around in nature. We get out, everybody's drying off. That morning when I got up, I put on cargo pants, boots, I strapped a knife to my belt. I'm thinking, I want to put all that stuff back on, but I'm in wet clothes and I don't want to get in a Range Rover for another six hours with these wet clothes. So we get to the top and I ask the, the guard or the, the, the travel guy that was with us, uh, our guide, I said, are there any bathrooms? He laughed at me. This is Africa. Go in the bushes. So I'm like, okay, I need to get changed. Using a translator, I need to get changed. And he tells me, okay, where we're going to be eating, there's a little cliff about 10 feet down. What we'll do is I'll take you over the cliff. You go down the bottom, and then you get changed, and I'll guard at the top. I said, okay, sounds like a plan. We get back in the vehicles. We get to the lunch spot. I get out. He points to the place. He starts walking over. I slide down this hill. Like it's a hill. It's not like steps. It's not like, like oh, it's, it's just a little, like, move a branch. It's a hill. So I slide down the hill like Indiana Jones. <laughs> I get to the bottom of, the, of this little place, and I'm soaking, wet. So I thought, okay. I look up. I can see him. He's watching me. He's got my back. So I strip down, and I'm standing there naked, and a baboon jumps out of the tree. Talk about being caught off guard and being scared. So that morning, Graydon says, be prepared, be ready. I have a knife, but I'm standing in front of this baboon with no clothes on. It's an awkward place to be. I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Do I grab my knife? Do I grab my shorts? Do I get a towel? So in, in the moment, I just went, ah! I just ran at it. It got scared and it ran away. I turned around, my tour guide is on the ground laughing. <laughs> At that moment, I had serious trust issues with my tour guide. I can't trust you, you didn't have my back. But that morning, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for a scenario like that. And Peter says in his book, as he's writing to the elders in his letter, he says, in, he says that we, in our hearts that we need to set Christ apart as Lord. He says that our relationship with Christ needs to be a different kind of relationship that we have that with other people, with our, maybe our spouses or with our children. In Christ, our, our relationship with Christ needs to be set apart. And he also says to the elders, he says, you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready in season and out of season to give testimony to the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. 
That's 1 Peter 3.15. But in your heart set apart, of Christ as, set apart Christ as Lord, always prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, to the reason of the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that kind of scenario. And most of the time, the things that we go through in life, we're not ready, we're unprepared for. We're unprepared, we're unprepared for tragedy that may happen. We're unprepared for sickness that may, be, may happen. But Peter says, be ready in season. Be on guard to testify to the hope that we have. We are called to trust God in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of struggle. This morning, are you in the midst of something? You see, this morning, we are going to focus on trust. And I am so glad that our author of the DC book included this topic in, in the whole series because many of us, because of a broken world, because of the sin of others, or even our own personal sin, we have trust issues. We have trust boundaries. And being in ministry for 15 years, I've seen time after time inside the church and sometimes outside the church in business when there is a disagreement between a, a group of people. Maybe it's a, a marriage uh, that, that is struggling. Maybe it's two young adults. Maybe it's youth. Maybe it's just people. And sometimes when there's a fracture and there's a relationship strain and they eventually get to the point where they want to bring reconciliation back together, Sometimes when you bring them together, as pastors, we mediate some of this sometimes. We have, uh, uh, we have group A, which is usually the offended, and group B, who is, is the offender. Group A sometimes, and we've all done this, and I've done this, when someone wrongs us, we sit back and we plot in our mind. We have this, this process of how we feel justice should be served, or how we feel the meeting should go, and we've thought it out. They better say sorry. They better admit to this. They better do this. They better do that. And then sometimes when we get to the meeting and we begin to chat and whoever's mediating, sometimes when it doesn't unfold like we have planned it in our minds, we could walk away from that meeting, even though the end result is, is what you were looking for, even though it didn't go the way you're happening, we could, we can put that, that whole situation in a box. We'll say things like, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to trust you. And we can walk away from the situation feeling like that was a waste of time. What happened? Uh, uh, I didn't like the way that went. I'll put you in a boundary relationship now. I'll trust that person. Or I won't trust that person, but I'll forgive that person. And there are many situations that that's okay. There are many situations inside the church and outside the church where you need to put a boundary in place. I've been hurt. I need time to heal. Uh, I need time to move forward from this. And, and you guard yourself from uh, the people that may have hurt you. But this can also be dangerous to our faith. This can be dangerous to our faith because Christians are not exempted from the evil that takes place in the world. See, we may have some heavy, heavy hurt that is present in this room this morning, and this hurt has the potential of hindering your growth in Christ because we are tempted as God's people to put God in the similar relationship framework that we put others in who hurt us. See, we can look at our own situations or our situations in our community or put on CNN and look what's going on in the world or in our family, and we can allow we can allow fractures to creep into our doctrine. And before you know it, instead of being ready for the kingdom, Bible in hand, scripture in, in mind, 
looking for opportunities to share the gospel, we focus not on Christ and his mandate, but we focus on our situation. Begin to tell ourselves things like this, like, does God really care about my situation? Like, does he see this devastation? Is God really all-knowing? And sometimes as followers and young followers, when those answers are not quickly found or the answer we are looking for falls short from what we are looking for, what the answer we want it to be, despair can creep in. We can feel that our, our faith is starting to shift. We begin to trust less. See, our prayers become less and less, and we act on the temptations rather than running from temptations. We hurt, we hinder, and we complain to anyone who will listen. And we really can move away from God. The scripture says, he will not move away from us, we move away from God. We become more self-sufficient. But Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, called out of darkness into marvelous light, and you're here this morning, and you know the truth, let me remind you that God is for us. God is for you. And God has made a way to deal with every situation in your life. So you may not ever know the reason why hurt or pain have come to your door. A lot of us struggle with this. If you go to DC Group tonight and you're reading in your book, you're going to read about a guy named Jerry who lost his whole family in a tragic car accident. And he, he, he spent years trying to make sense of that, trying to figure out why this had happened. And sometimes we spend all of our time trying to figure out the why instead of going to the next of how do I move, how do I, how do I process, how do I, how do I grow from this? You may never know the reason why hurt and pain come. We may never know the answer. And as a young pastor, as a younger pastor, when I first started out in ministry, I felt like all the time when I was talking to somebody, when they were talking about maybe sickness or hurt or pain or things they were going through, I felt like I, always ha I owed them an answer every time because I was an ambassador for Christ. And there are just some situations where I just I couldn't figure it out. And sometimes there are situations that you go through. I heard a bunch of testimonies after the first service. Lots of people coming up and talk, talking to me about trusting in God in very hard seasons. And sometimes you may be tempted to think that as well. Like, does God even, even want to help me? Will he help me? God is for us. And he has greater wisdom than we do. And his ways are not our ways. But this is one thing that we can walk out of this room knowing. And it's the major thing that the, the author wants to, to get across in our DC tonight is that God is for us and we can trust God. Listen to these verses. In Isaiah 58, 11, it says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and I'll watch over you. Ephesians 2, 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. All three of these verses give hope to the believer that God is for us and we need to make sure that we are guarding our relationship with God from any other outside influence that would chip away at our faith. So if you're a young adult in my ministry and if you are getting married, 
usually when I'm doing my premarital counsel, I bring the, sorry guys, about my mic, I'm going to fix it right here. Sometimes when the couples come in, I sit them down and I give them two swords. I pull out these two giant swords and I, I turn the blade around and I hand them the sword and I say, okay, here are your swords. And with your swords, it is your responsibility with your new marriage covenant to be on guard against anything that would come and try to chip away at your marriage covenant. And then as they're holding the swords, I make them give me a list of all the things that could damage their relationship. Outside influence, hanging around with people of the opposite sex, work relationships, pornography, money, finances, lack of communication. They go through a list and they're holding these swords and it's a symbol so that they look, can look down and say, I need to guard my relationship. It's the same way with the Christian in regards to Christ. We need to be on guard and vigilant. We gotta be watching for things that may try to take us out because Satan is watching for those things. He's looking for the fleshly area, areas where he can fire his darts. And eventually, if we get hit a few times and we're in a season that is rocky and we don't know what to do or what to say or even what to pray, eventually, that will, that will knock our trust down a few notches with God. We'll start to question God instead of trusting God. We'll take our eyes off him and put it on our circumstances. So that's why I want to spend the remainder of our sermon time focusing on one passage that is, in, that is the memory verse for the DC group tonight. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to the Old Testament and I'm going to be in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. God's word says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. One more time, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So three ways you can guard your relationship with God. The first thing, as we refer back to our Proverbs 3, verse 5 passage, is de deny your self-sufficiency. Deny your self-sufficiency. See, a great way to chip away at not trusting God is to close off our hearts towards the things of God. A similar pattern happens in many of our lives when tragedy or hurt hits the door, hits, comes to our door. We begin to trust our feelings more than the truth. We begin to start, we, we try to rationalize and look for reasons why these things happen so that, that, we, so that we can eventually feel if we have an understanding of it, we can move past it. But a lot of the times, things that come to our door or things that happen in our life, it's just like the baboon jumping out of the tree and you're standing there and you're caught off guard. You don't know what to do. Well, the word of God says that you need to trust not in yourself, but trust in him. And many of us have developed a, a self-sufficiency. We want to we want to do things our own, on our own. This is a surefire way to allow trust to erode in your life. See, by trusting in the things of man more than the things of God. See, we tend to rationalize outcomes of problems based on things we know and measure. But it's the scriptures that tell us that our understanding can, can fall short. His ways are not our ways. God does not think like us. We are called to trust in God with all of our heart. The Bible is trying to teach us that God will always be on the side of those who love him and fully trust him. 
In Romans 8.28, it says this, And we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. God works for the good of those who love him. If you've been called out of marvelous, called out of darkness into marvelous light, if you're, a, if you're testifying that you are a Christian of God, God is working on your behalf, even though evil may take place. See, the author lists an example like this in our book. He says, if a person loves God and trusts God and accepts God, love, trusts, and accepts, if a person feels and knows and is, and is convinced that God is all-wise and an all-loving father, then he will humbly accept all that God sends his way without trusting the grace of God to bring, out, bring good out of any situation. We will fight God's plan and purpose, and then we will end, and it will end in bitterness. So for those who love God and are, are for God and we're trusting his ways, whatever lands in front of us, we can say, okay, I'm, I'm okay, God. I'm trusting you. I do not need to know the final answer because I know who has the final say? Who has the final say in all of it? See, trusting yourself or trusting in man-made systems will leave you falling short. Men and women will let you down. If you put your hope in people, we will let you down. We fall short of the glory of God. We are not perfect. We make lots of mistakes. Lots of mistakes are in this room. We've made lots of mistakes in our life. But God has not made any mistakes. He is perfect and he is for us. We need to trust in Christ, obey his teaching, and use our lives as instruments for the kingdom. See, that keeps you trusting. But giving God and his people you're called to love, the leftovers, this will leave us powerless and hopeless and doubting. I've talked to many Christians who love God, but then, then they get into a storm and they feel hopeless and they feel powerless and they, and they start to doubt. This is what the Bible says about trusting yourself. In Jeremiah 17, 9, if you don't have this underlined in your Bible, this is a good reminder to fight against self-sufficiency. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? See, trusting in us and relying on ourselves, you know what that's doing? You know what that's doing to the church? It's sucking the life out of the church and leaving the, kingless, the kingdom powerless. See, God is calling us to do more. God deserves better than what we are doing. And we have to ask the question, as a church, are we really trusting God? See, the evangel Evangelical Church of Canada has all the tools and resources needed to accomplish the will of God. The, pro the problem is, though, we are powerless. See, we have all the bells and whistles. We have all the grace and direction we needed. We are loaded to, the, to our eyeballs and vision. But the church of today huddles on its street corners, in their buildings, holding the plug. We have everything needed to accomplish the things of God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Churches who are claiming to be the light of Jesus, are standing powerless, holding the plug, because they're not plugging in to the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Pastor Rick has been trying to drill into our heads and our hearts, that there we have been given a helper who is powerful, and we have been given an, a, an, a way to plug into that power to accomplish the things in our life. But most churches sit powerless, 
talking about the problems instead of going to God with the problems. See, I remember, God, I remember Pastor Rick two weeks ago um, saying this because I was standing right there at the percussion at the end song, and he said, what would it look like if 1,500 people, our church gathering, just our church was to step up, step out, believing in faith, and trust in the power of God? What could happen? Like that, that question caught me off guard. I don't even think I played the last little bit. I just kept thinking of our church gathering under the, the leadership of Pastor Rick, studying the Bible, and then stepping out and moving forward. What would God do? What would God do to our city? I don't know. I just don't know. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to say I'm in. What if we all plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit? You see, we fall short of God's plan by trying to rely on self and, and not God. See, I need to and we need to and the church needs to deny our self-reliance and, and rely on God. Even starting today, if you come in here this morning and you're not trusting in the Lord Jesus for everything in your life, let's make it work. Let's speak to God. Let's pray. Let's talk about it. Let's meet in the connections room. Let's meet down front for prayer. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Church, we need to fight the tendency to take control. Instead, we need to trust God even when we don't have all the answers. So our first point, deny yourself sufficiency. Our second point, demonstrate a God dependency. In all your ways, Proverbs says, in all your ways, submit to him. See, this is what we have to do. We have to take personal inventory of our lives. We have to take a moment Get by yourself, get your Bible open, get a piece of paper, and really think about your life. Really think about the areas of your life that are falling short of God. Just have an honest moment between you and God, and write down those areas. And submit those areas to God. And ask God to help you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, get those areas under the reign of Christ. Take personal in inventory of every part of your life, and bring self-managed portions under the rule of Christ. See, doing this exercise, it will show you how much you're depending on yourself or others, or it will show you what areas you need a little twer uh, tweaking in, not twerking, that's bad, tweaking. <laughs> Either way, you will learn which areas you need to trust God in. It's a great exercise to do. I encourage all of my young adults to do it regularly. Every season, we say, okay, take personal inventory. What areas are you submitting to God? How are you going to grow this year by the power of the Holy Spirit? Write it down. That's the first thing we need to do to demonstrate a God dependency is figure out what areas we're falling short in. And the second thing is if you are battling with a sickness, a fear, you are battling with a hurt or something that's hindering in your faith, during times of struggle, pain, and brokenness, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. If this is a present reality for you, don't waste the se this season because God will draw close to you. Do not miss out on the moments where you can talk to God and he'll be tender to you. Do not trust on, on your, your own vision of how things are going because sometimes it doesn't make sense. I didn't share this story in the first, in the first, uh, in the first sermon, but I'm going to share it in this one. There were moments in my life, in my journey with Laura in this last cancer battle where when she first got sick, she started a medication that made her like 
it gave me no understanding of what God was doing. There were moments where we would wake up in the middle of the night because she would have night terrors. And there were moments I found her standing in a corner, straight in a corner, talking, but completely out of it. Like, that is a terrifying moment to get up and see your wife standing, like, in a corner. Like, someone put her in the corner. Like, get in the corner. It's time out time. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning, and she's talking, but she has no clue what's going on. She's standing in the corner. Like, how do you rationalize that? Like, how do you make any sense of that? But those are moments where you need to draw close to God and say, God, this is, this is weird. This is just weird. It's frightening. It's scary. I need you to help me. I need you to help my wife. Like, I don't know what's happening right now, but I'm going to trust in you and trust that you have a plan. There will be things in your life that you can't figure out. That's where we need to trust in God and not waste our pain. During the hardest moments, we learn about God. We learn to trust in his promises. We learn to stand in faith. We learn to speak hope to one another We have to say, I am trusting Jesus. I am trusting my Savior. And you see what will happen? The result of that, I've shared this before, but the result of that is people will start to listen to you. Like, why is it that you're not focusing on all of the tragedy? Why are you not focusing on everything that you're going through? All you talk about is trusting in God and seeking what His will is. That's, that's, that's different, but it seems to be working for you. And people will watch your life. And you'll be able to share about the power of God in that season. But many of us, we waste it. We waste our pain because we take our eyes off what God can be doing or what God is doing, and we put it on our situation. Sometimes we mope and complain. And God is saying, come. Come close. There are going to be things that you can't handle in your life. This whole cancer journey, I can't handle this. So we need to depend on God. We need to ask God to teach us in the pain. And he will not waste one tear. He will hear our prayers. He will come close. He will allow his peace to surround us. Peace beyond all understanding. And we will learn how to trust how are we going to do this, church? So what do we do? So what do we do when pain is so raw in our life? We're here. We made it to church today, but I'm trying to hold back how I'm feeling. Had someone in the first service come and tell me that after. You're preaching, and what you're saying is, is it's like you're reading a script of my life. We come here in this building with pain and hurt. And God says that we are to trust in him. In a story, in a trial, in a hard spot, what you need to do is up your care of Christ. Change things so that you are in a position to learn the most. See, join a DC group. Come and express. Tonight is going to be a great night for DC groups because we're going to be talking about trusting God and we're going to be sharing our stories. And when we share our stories and when we testify to the power of God, it inspires others who are barely hanging on. So tonight I know that when we gather in DC groups, stories are going to be shared and hope is going to rise for our church. Because people are going to be testifying to the power of God in moments where other people, are ha where other people have fear, they have hope. And that hope spurs one another on. So tonight, 
I'm really looking forward to DC group. If you're not joining, you're not in a DC group, come tonight. You, this would be your first night. I guarantee Pastor Calvin will get you into a group. Please come if you are hurting. Join a DC group. Come to our prayer sessions. Join the New Believers group. Read your Bible. Grow in fellowship with other believers. Make the God things of God and your care for Christ at another level. Don't be afraid of God. He's not scared of your hard questions. He's not scared of your heart questions. But you got to do it in the light of guarding your faith and trusting in God. A lot of us yell at God and demand things from God. God is like a God is like a God is a good good father. We just talked about that. And he he will help us when we have our focus on him. This little girl was in a in the doctor's in a doctor's office sitting at a little table playing with playing with some toys and her mom gets called into the doctor's office and the secretary brings the mom in the daughter's sitting eight-year-old daughter's sitting at the table playing with a toy um the secretary is watching her mom says can you keep an eye on my daughter i'm just gonna go in it'll be a few minutes the secretary knows it's not gonna be a few minutes it's gonna be like it's gonna be like 20 minutes so she's watching the the daughter play and she sees that the daughter is getting restless with the toy so she goes to the cupboard and she opens the cupboard, and she's got some games in there. And, and she's thinking, oh, maybe I'll get a game for the little, little girl. And she's thinking, well, the girl has no one to play with. Maybe I'll give her a puzzle. So she looks down, and she sees there's a puzzle of the world. She grabs the puzzle out. It's a 100-piece puzzle. So she thinks to herself, 100 pieces? That's going to keep her busy for more than 20 minutes. Her mother can go in, do her thing, come out, and be okay. So she gives the puzzle to the little girl and says, do you know how to put a puzzle together? She's like, yes, I do. She gives her a puzzle. She's like, here, here's a puzzle of the world that should keep you busy while your mom's in talking to the doctor. She looks over her desk, sees the little girl. She takes off the top, flips up all the box. All the pieces fall out. Secretary picks up the phone thinking, hey, she's going to be there for a little bit. About five minutes later, seven, ten minutes later, she checks on the girl. She comes around, little girl. Whole, the whole puzzle is put together. The whole world is 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 right on the table. And the, nurse, uh, and the secretary is like, how did you, did someone help you do this? How did you do this? A hundred piece puzzle, you're eight years old, that's hard to do. The little girl comes to the edge of the table, gets down and she begins to slide the puzzle off onto her hand like this, like a, like a pizza, like a pizza box. You're gonna hold a pizza box. She slides it off and then flips it upside down and slams it on the table. To the, nurse, to the secretary's surprise, there's a picture of Jesus on the other side. Little girl noticed, I can't put the world together, but when I flipped the pieces over, I knew that there was a picture of Jesus, so I was going to spend all my time focusing on Jesus, making sure I get him right. Once I did that, I was able to flip the puzzle over, and the whole world was put together. It's a little story, but that's exactly the thing that we need as the church. We're trying to figure out the world all the time. We're trying to figure out culture, we're trying to figure out where we fit, where our family fit, how to guard our families, how to grow our families, how to grow ourselves, and we're looking in the wrong place. The world will not teach you that. The world will teach you how to distrust God. But when we focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, trusting in him and not in our own understanding, he will help us. A simple story but profound, we need a God dependency. We need to focus on Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and his word. Make that your focus, and your trust will grow. Your faith will grow. See, the author of our study shares that in every good, in everything, God works for the good. 
in everything that is happening, whether it may be evil or hindrance or hurtful, God is still working for the good. See, we can trust God is working for the good even when evil is taking place. A God, a God dependency will keep us anchored while we navigate those storms. Because the word of God says, in all of our ways, submit to him. And for my last point on trusting the Lord from our Proverbs passage is, we need to depend on God's direction. For the scripture says, he will make our path straight. See, from an early age, the culture beats into our kids. If you're a mom or dad here that has a, a child in the public school, the culture and the schools are beating into our children that they can be whatever they want to be in life. Maybe you were told that when you were a kid. I was told that growing up. Little Nick, you're still little even though you're almost 40. <laughs> you can be whatever you want to be. We need to counter that message and say, you can be whatever God wants you to be. You can be whatever God wants you to be. As parents, we need to tell our children that, teaching our kids in CFM and youth and young adults, that your life matters because Christ says your life matters, not because of what man said. We need to teach our children to deny self and be dependent on God and ask God what path they should take or what path, God, what path do I take? Instead of just waiting for things to happen or listening to man or listening to different directions, we need to seek God. See, we need to teach this to our children, but as adults, we still struggle with this point. We want God to follow us. We want God to, to trust. God, trust me in this next season. God, I think I know what's going on. See, I got this even though, even though personally we can lead ourselves into a huge mess. I don't know about you. Have you ever been in a huge mess? Even in the huge mess, even in the hurt and pain, God's still working it for his good, and we can trust in him. See, the good, good father is like a dad who's teaching his son how to ride his bike. And I remember one of my sons teaching one of my sons to ride his bike. I remember we didn't go on the grass. We just straight pavement. Just, this is where you learn. You fall down, you're going to get a cut. Get back up. I remember one of my sons not only fell off his bike, he flipped over his bike and his bike fell on him. That was a pretty good fall. Like, I was like, I was, I was on the side, the dad was like, that's a nine, that's a nine. I vote, that's a nine, good fall. But then I came over to him, picked him back up, dusted him off, put him back on the bike, gave him some tips and some pointers, and said, get back at it. You can do this. Our good, good father in heaven does the same thing when we bring our concerns to him. He picks us up, he dusts us off, he gives us grace when we ask for forgiveness. And he sets us on the path that he has designed. We will still mess it up, but he's still working for the good. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. As a church that is trusting in the power of God, we have to deny self-sufficiency. Calvary needs to demonstrate a God-dependency. And we have to ask God the direction. We don't just get to pick the direction. See, this will help us to live a life we are called to live. A plugged in, fully charged, powerful dependent follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we can say at the end of the service, we can say at the end of our life, may his will be done. May his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we are called to love him and to seek him and to care for him and his people. And we need to make the tagline or the hashtag of our life, you first, God. Because many of us are running ahead of God. You first, God, or hashtag I will follow. I will follow after you, God. I'm making a decision in the church. I'm making a decision for my family. I'm, taking a de- I'm making a decision for my personal walk that you go first, God. I will follow you. And I pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to guard our hearts from the things that want to take us out. We can trust God and know that he is working on our behalf and for his good name, even in the hurt and the pain. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just pray that you would draw close to us. Draw close to the ones right now thinking about their own situations. God, I pray that you would, that you would show up as they call out to you. God, I know by, by what your word says that if we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. And God, many of us, we're, we're potentially far from you because we're trusting in things of man. But God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that we can come to you and we can pray to you and that you will forgive us, that you'll pick us back up. Even today, we can start a new relationship with you. Even today, forgiveness can be found if we cry out to you. So God, as we wrap up and as we sing and as we pray, I pray that you would draw unto yourself those who need healing, those who need the trust restored if they haven't been trusting in you. God, we thank you for making your presence available even at this moment. We love you so very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. This is the prayer and the scripture we are praying for for this season. That God would continue to call out of darkness and into marvelous light those who are his. And many find their way here at Calvary and we begin to do life together. May this next season be the season where we step up and step out. Pastor Rick set that vision a few weeks ago. What would, what would it look like if 1,500 people were loving God and trusting in the things of God and asking God to direct? Well, that's the prayer that we are praying. We believe in that as a leadership team. We don't know what it would look like. We just know that it would be awesome. But it takes individuals, dads, husbands. It takes us to take the step out and say, I'm going to lead my family this way. We're going to change some things. Moms and wives, it's important that we follow the leadership of God in our lives, that we speak to our husbands and, and get them involved or if they're not, or listen to them if they're saying, hey, we need to get into church. We need to start doing things a little bit differently. As a church, we are powerful when we are plugged in to the Holy Spirit. Let us be a church that is like that and let our city know that we gather and we go in the name of Jesus Christ. 
If you would like prayer, we'll be down front. If you would like to connect with a pastor, we'll be in the connections room. But please don't leave here today if you need prayer. We want to pray for you. And I can't wait to see you back here tonight as we do life together in DC Group. Have a blessed Sunday. We love you.